Good morning. Um, my name is Justin Tyler. I'm a, most of you know me, some of you may not. But um, I'm on the core team uh, leadership here at the, the Calling Community Church. And, and I am, uh, man, I am super excited to share what I, what I feel is going to be a great message. And, um, and I know it's not from me. Um, it's, and I get emotional, so sorry. But it's a message that, that's been put on my heart to share with you all, and it's a message for myself as well. So um, I'm excited to share it. So today is Palm Sunday, as you know. Um, and a couple of months, months ago, um, the, this thought of uh, these folks who were, who were celebrating Jesus coming into Jerusalem, and, and, um, and they were yelling, Hosanna, right? And they were yelling, Blessed is he that, that, um, that comes to us. And, and, um, and I thought about this a few months ago, and, and I, honestly, I don't know where the thought, well, I, I, can, I, I know where the thought came from, but um, I was thinking about this story, and, and I was thinking about the people and, and how they were celebrating Jesus. And then I became curious as to, as to why some of those same people that were celebrating Jesus turned on him. I mean, they turned on him to the extent of wanting him dead, right? Now, as a follower of Jesus, you think, man, how dare them? And then, in my mind, um, I, my mind began to wander. And my, my, my wife will tell you that my mind wanders often. <clears throat> but my mind was wandering to these questions of what were they thinking? What were these people thinking? What changed their minds? <clears throat> what caused them to go from such a great positive experience to such an angry, negative movement when they were shouting for Jesus' sentence to death? Well, Jesus wasn't what they expected, right? They expected this, as it mentioned in the video, a, a general. They expected this king to come in to abolish the Roman rule which they were living under. But instead, this prophet from Nazareth and Galilee came into this town to, th to set things straight. So in Matthew 21, 12, he cleared the temple. Right? He changed it from this marketplace that it, that it had became. He changed it back into a house of prayer where he was healing the blind and the lame, right? And he had many conversations through, that, through this, this week that we would call Holy Week. And um, he had many conversations with the religious leaders of the time. And, and he, he would expose their hypocrisy and how they were teaching the followers to live by the law of Moses. But they weren't living by the law of Moses. And so Jesus was exposing them of, the, of this, right? And so, of course, their pride is hurt, and um, they decided that they were going to plot against him to try to get rid of him. And so they would ask him questions to try to get him stuck, right? To try to, get, to, to, try to catch him, to show that he, he wasn't who he says that he was. But then they got to a point to where... To where they stopped asking Jesus questions because Jesus would return them with questions, right? And they, would, they wouldn't be able to answer the question. 
So in Matthew 23, Jesus then went on to criticize the religious leaders in front of the crowds, calling them blind guides and hypocrites, and warning the teachers that sorrow awaits you. Now, obviously, this caused leaders, the, the leaders to be angry. And I would assume that this caused their followers to resent Jesus. And then I'm sure that the gossip in, ensued. And that this, the message of, of this, this misguided prophet was starting to spread. And negativity was replacing the previous cries of Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So they were replacing this, this celebration, as I mentioned, with shouts to crucify him. So what would you have done? What would, what would, what would, what would have been your thought process? So I like to think that I would be a, a faithful follower of Jesus. But then it makes me think about everyday life. It sure can be hard to be the voice of reasoning and truth when the atmosphere around us is changing. And you might be the only differing opinion, and it may be even causing you to begin to doubt or even cause you to be led down a, a path of negative thinking. So this mob mentality that was happening was about to make history. Jesus was not who they expected. And they wanted nothing to do with him, and they'd rather have him killed. Now this is pretty, uh, it's a pretty deep comparison. But can we relate to their negativity? When we set expectations for how we think things should go, or for how we thinks, or how for how we think things should be, and they don't go as planned, what happens? Now I know a lot of the kids left the room. There's still some kids in here, and there's some big kids, right? So, but how do we act when things don't go our way? Do we get frustrated? Do we get sad? Do we get mad? So these feelings, they're a pivotal point that can either create a positive outcome or it could foster a negative thought, thought life and atmosphere. So Paul tells us in Philippians 4.8 to fix our thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely. And admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. He's worthy, right? So if we do this, then it will help guide us in a healthy thought life. Second Corinthians ten five says, "Take every thought captive." This means that you don't allow a negative thought to affect your mood or to become action. Spouses, 
when are your times of weaknesses? Mine is when I'm tired or when I'm stressed. And that can cause me to become annoyed by noise or just people in general. And it can cause me to have a tone with my wife and my family. So these last couple months have been a struggle for me spiritually. It has affected my thought life, causing me to drift into a pattern of negativity. My quiet time with the Lord has been lacking. My attention has been directed more to my profession than Jesus. My patience has been lacking. My desire to love others like Jesus loves them has been replaced with feelings of resentment and a negative outlook on life. This has resulted in increased feelings of anxiety and at times feelings of depression. And I think this brings Satan satisfaction. And I think that God hates that. Not because it brings the enemy satisfaction, but because he desires his children to live in a different way. He doesn't desire to live this, for us to live this way. So I'm currently reading this book. It's called I Declare War. It's by Levi Lusco. Some of you may have heard of him. And um, it's about how we can win this war of negativity. And so I'm just going to read a little passage out real quick. So Levi writes, Can you imagine how much of a game changer it would be as you drive your kids to soccer, as you do laundry, as you walk to third period, as you lead a staff meeting, or as you run on the treadmill, or you wait to fall asleep? If you allowed your mind only the best, not the worst, or if you allowed into your mind only the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, would you even recognize the peace-filled person you'd become? He says that a study back in 1980s revealed that people have an average of 500 intrusive thoughts every 16 hours each lasting an average of 14 seconds. So many of these intrusions are just worries or anxious thoughts. 18% are mean, unacceptable, and politically incorrect. And 13% are ugly or downright shocking. For instance, shoving a stranger off the subway platform, running over a pedestrian, stabbing a partner, raping or strangling someone, smothering an elderly parent, or driving your car off a bridge. Those are pretty intense. So that amounts to about 116 minutes a day of some sort of unwanted, unwelcomed, unhelpful thoughts stealing our joy and neutralizing our effectiveness. He goes on to say, to be clear, the problem isn't that these thoughts show up, the problem is, is that we let them pull out the sofa bed and spend the night. An old saying warns us that you can't stop birds from flying around your head, but you don't have to let them build a nest in your hair. So we don't have to 
live this way, full of worry and anxiety. So as some of you know that <clears throat> as my career is, is as a firefighter and paramedic. And part of my responsibilities is, is to, to run emergency medical calls to, to treat people who are ill and injured. And um, so I've been doing this for the past 15 years. And, and I'll tell you what, the majority of the patients that I um, run and, and treat, they, they will typically have a list of medical problems. And more often than not, listed in their medical problems is anxiety. Anxiety itself has a hand in causing a lot of their medical problems. It causes stress on the body and the body systems, and it can eventually cause hypertension and other medical problems. We don't have to live this way. So how does God desire us to live? In Ephesians 6.10, Paul gives us this order. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. This is right before we are told to put on all of God's armor. So that we will be able to stand firm against all the devil's strategies. That's including negative thoughts that are full of lies and deceit. Paul reminds us that we aren't fighting against flesh and blood. Husbands, look at your wives. Tell them you're not my enemy. Wives, look at your husbands. Tell them you're not my enemy. No, we're fighting against... No, we are fighting against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. This enemy desires our minds to be on what is false, dishonorable, wrong, filthy, ugly, and deplorable. They, they want us to think about things that are inferior and worthy of condemnation. So Paul tells us to put on every piece of God's armor so we will be able to resist the enemy. Alright, so I thought it would be fun this morning to, uh, to give you a visual of what, this, what I believe this armor would look like. Alright, so as mentioned, my career is as a, as a firefighter and paramedic. And we have armor of our own that we will use well, when we need it. So, I brought my armor with me. All right? And I'm going to put on my armor for you guys. We do this a lot for, uh, for preschool-age kids. So, but you guys are behaving a lot better than preschool-age kids, so I appreciate that. Some of you are. Mike, got my eye on you. All right, so this is my gear. This is what, in the fire service, we call our, our bunker gear. All right, and um, so we have this gear that we'll wear to protect us in hazardous atmospheres, um, such as house fires. It, it keeps us safe from from the superheated gases and um, smoke 
and stuff that will make us sick or, or, make, it, or make it worse. Um, so, what typically when we, when, we, when we put this on for our, our preschool friends, um, we'll show them that as we put this on, and it's mainly to teach them that firefighters are friendly, so that in case, God forbid, that they're ever in a house fire and they're not able to get, it, get, to get their way out, we'll come in and help them out. And, um, and we don't want them to be scared of us, right? They w- we want them to come to us to help them out. So typically we, we will put this stuff on and, um, and then show the kids at the very end that, um, that there's no skin showing, okay? Because if there's skin showing, we're going to find out when we go into a house fire that's super hot and we're going to get burned, all right? So... I'm going to put this stuff on, and as I go, I'll explain to you how I correlate it with the armor of God. And then, um, and then I'll, you know, break each one down in, uh, in their explanations. So, all right? Sound good? So typically, we have all this stuff out by our fire truck. And it's all nice and neat and the way we want it so we can get going pretty quickly. Because time is important when there's emergencies. All right, so this is my gear. Um, I have it laid out typically, like I said, so that I can get dressed quickly. And so I'm going to start. This is out of order with, than what Paul says in, in, in Ephesians 6:10, um, but it, but it's the same. It's this, what I consider the same um, parts of the armor. All right. So I'm going to start off by putting on my uh, my boots of peace, and our boots come with pants on them. All right. Next, what I'm correlating with the, uh, the, righteous, the breastplate of righteousness is my coat. And so what our coat does is obviously it keeps us from getting burned, and it protects our vitals, right, including our heart, which is what the breastplate of righteousness does. All right? So next is my air pack. Now, I'm correlating this because it has a belt, the belt of truth. So I put on my air pack. And what this does besides provides us air in a, in a you know, clean air to, to breathe is that this belt pretty much helps keep everything in place. So that's my belt of truth, all right? And then next is... What most firefighters know is their helmet. And it's my helmet of, of salvation. Okay? So that's that. And then my shield of faith, which I'm correlating as our nozzle. Okay? Hooked up to a fire truck and be pumping water. And then, of course, it's, this is just like a giant garden hose. So, and I'll talk about this in a second. And then my axe. So my axe is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Okay? So I'm going to go ahead and put on, my, uh, put on my air so then you guys can see that when I'm fully clothed, you won't see any skin. And you shouldn't be scared of me. If 
So those beeps you hear, this is kind of on the side subject. Those beeps you hear are help help us. Um, so if, if a firefighter gets hurt or entangled in something and is not moving, then this senses that we're not moving and it'll go off and that'll let us know that one of our people needs help. Do I have any skin showing? There you go. All right, are you scared of me? No. It's still Justin in here. I'm here to help you. All right, so this is the full get up, okay? This is the full armor of God, okay? I don't know if you can understand or not, but I said this is the full armory guy. You get that thing. All right. So let's break this down. Turn this off so it doesn't beep. It's going to make a little noise real quick. Okay, so we'll go in order of what Paul says in, in Ephesians, and you can check it out, Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 18. So, as you notice, I, when I had everything on, I, I had total protection, right? And um, if I was missing a piece, then I wasn't fully protected, Right? And so every part in the armor of God is needed to provide us full, total protection. So the first thing that Paul mentions is, is the belt of truth. All right? So not only does this belt hold the gear together, but it is part of my clean air system. So without the clean air, um, I would be breathing superheated gases and, and smoke it's full of toxins, and it would cause, uh, cause me to become sick, right? And so that's much like our Lord and giver of life, that he provides us fresh air, right? And that fresh air is needed to keep our minds and our hearts clean. In John 20, 22, it says that after Jesus was rose from the dead that he breathed on his disciples and he said receive the Holy Spirit now when we wear this belt of truth we receive a full understanding of, of God's truths and that's through the Holy Spirit right that God's truths were evident of his love we're aware of the, the salvation that we receive through the faith in Jesus Christ We're aware of his forgiveness of sins that he provides us. 
we're aware of his truth and, and grace and, and, and power to live for Jesus. And we're aware of Jesus' return to bring full health and healing to this world. Now, my breastplate of righteousness, it protects our core, as I mentioned. I'm going to take off my belt of truth. So this coat, as I mentioned, it protects our, our core and, our, and our, uh, our heart. In Proverbs 4.23, it says that we should, it says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. The breastplate of righteousness is fully the righteousness of Jesus. It's not our righteousness, right? When we rely on our self-righteousness, then things are going to go bad, right? Because his righteousness is perfect. And it's through him that we, we, we receive his righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. All right, shoes of the gospel. These boots, they give me support and a firm foundation. John wrote in 1 John 2, chapter, six, or chapter 2, verse 6, says, Whoever says he abides in Jesus ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. As Christians, we are called to be like Jesus, think like Jesus, love like Jesus, even walk like him. Jesus never slipped. He was perfect. If we follow him and we follow his footsteps, he won't cause us to stumble. He will bring us peace. All right, this next one's going to take some imagination, okay? So this is our shield of faith. So as I mentioned, in the this is this is actually a smaller hose that we carry, and this would be hooked up to a fire truck which has a pump on it, and then obviously we would our nozzles are already connected, and so this is what we call a fog nozzle. All right, so when we open it up. Obviously, water comes out. We can adjust the, the spray just like a garden hose. And so by doing that, we can adjust it to a straight stream to where we can hit fire from, you know, further from us. It can penetrate to put the fire out. And we could also make it very, very wide. Okay, So when I open it all the way up this way, the fog, the fog pattern goes out this way. right, And it goes all the way around. So picture a shield. All right, see where I'm going? So picture the shield, okay? So not only does the nozzle or the hose line or put out fire, but it's our lifeline. The nozzle provides, provides us protection. It extinguishes the fire, 
and it provides the ability to find our way out of dark places. See, we're trained when, if we're on the end of the nozzle and we're fighting fire and we need to get out quickly, we're trained to follow the, the hose. It's, I mean, it makes com just common sense, right? There's times, and there's been history, where guys will get off the hose line, and if it's dark, you get lost, and some guys don't find their way out. But we're trained, if we get off the hose line, to search for the hose line. All right? So we're feeling around, and we're searching. When we, when we find it, we're going to run our hands down, and find these couplings. When we find these couplings, we feel the couplings. And it actually feels like a smooth surface and then a lug-lug. Now, if you feel the lug-lug smooth, you're going the wrong way. That's kind of a side note. I really couldn't correlate that to anything. But. So it's our lifeline. So when we find the hose line, we're able to go out to a safe area, right? So when Satan attacks us with his fiery arrows of doubt, fears, and lies, our shield of faith extinguishes the flames. When we become surrounded by darkness, then faith provides us a pathway to life. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says that faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. I'm sorry. Faith, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. You see, when we are on the hose line, we're fighting fire. We have the assurance that the hose will lead us out of harm's way to safety. Just, be, just because we can't see the hose, we know it's there and that it will lead us to safety. God is similar. And that although we may not be able to see him, we know that he's there. And that we are battling something that he has already overcome. And that serves us as our way out. All right, so next is our helmet of salvation. In the fire service, this is a firefighter's pride and joy. It's a kind of a weird thing if you try to think about it, if I try to think otherwise. but um, They're just cool, aren't they? So it's designed to provide protection. It provides protection against falling objects, right? It's like a hard hat, pretty much. And it's shaped... The way it's shaped, it provides us protection. Now, there's no other helmet or hat that looks like this, unless you're wearing a baseball cap backwards. But the way it's shaped is that when we're spraying water, it's getting superheated, and it's coming back on us. Well, to keep the water from going down the back of our neck and burning us, we've got our bill right here. And so the water will come down and then you know, drip off the edge so that it's not going down the back of our neck. It also protects us from embers and other burning objects that we don't want down in our coat. So the helmet of salvation 
is similar to this. So as firefighters, we need to protect our brains, right? So that we're able to keep our wits and we're able to make wise decisions quickly. So the helmet of salvation is similar to that in that it protects our mind from being altered from outside forces. When the knowledge of our salvation is secure in our mind, Satan's tactics will not harm us. As Christians, we are reminded of our salvation through the act of repentance of sin. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. The enemy is crafty, and he will attempt to tell us lies. But as Paul says in Philippians 4, 6-7, Don't worry about anything, pray about everything. Tell God what you need, and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard our hearts and our minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So next Paul speaks of the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And so there's a few of us that have our own personalized axes, because we're geeks like that. But, and this is actually a small axe. Um, we've got larger axes that we'll, we'll use on the fire truck, but I, I kind of like a small one because it's easier to... to uh, to get around. So, this is my axe. There are many like it. But this one's mine. That's a movie reference for some of you guys. I use it for many things. One important um, use is, is during overhaul. So, overhaul is a time um, when the fire is um, under control and um, we're looking for any hot spots. That's what we call overhaul. And so, I'll use my axe along with other tools. Um, to be able to separate the burned from the unburned, right? So whatever material or walls or studs or whatever that are, are burnt, we try to get rid of those. Pretty much separating the good from the bad. So the Word of God does the same thing. Just as when Jesus was in the desert for 40, year, or 40 days, being tempted by Satan, he used to... He used the word of God to remove the bad, which was the temptations that Satan was placing on him. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. God's word is truth. That's why we should study the Bible. Memorize verses and be familiar with it. This allows us to separate the good thoughts from the bad thoughts. So that's the armor of God. 
I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. So Paul continues after describing the armor of God. And in verse 18, he says, Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. In order for us to combat the pattern of negativity, we must stay alert. Alert to who we are and what our tendencies can be in our weakest moments. We need to be alert to who our enemy is and his strategies. But ultimately, we need to be alert to God, who has overcome the enemy, sin, and death. He provides us all the pieces of armor we need in order to stand firm in his truth. Don't be swayed by the masses, because there's plenty of them, right? And they're not afraid to speak up, and we shouldn't either. Don't fall for that mob mentality. Because history has already been made, and that includes victory for you and for me as believers in Jesus. Paul said in Romans 13, to remove your dirty deeds like dirty clothing and put on the shining armor of right living. Now, I was raised Lutheran, and um, I'm not too familiar with altar calls, and I think some folks can get intimidated by them, but I, I, I believe that there's power in it. I know for one that, that um, man, sometimes I can get tired of wearing, wearing dirty clothes. When we're trying to do it ourselves, right? When we're trying to live our lives on our own accord instead of the way God's leading us. Life's messy. We're messy. But we have the option to put on that shining armor of a right living, that righteousness that, that can only be found through Jesus Christ. So I'm going to invite, if you've got it on your heart, if, if, you, if you want to, and desire for Jesus to be in you and for you to, to live this life that, that we're called to live, now, I'm going to invite you to come forward, and we'll pray for you. we got members of the, of the core team. So if you feel that that's on your heart, don't be afraid. And for those that, um, you know, if you don't come forward, that's fine too. But just know that... Um, that it's through our faith in Jesus that gives us purpose. And uh, so I just want to pray for you all right now, pray for this church.
So, Father, we, I just thank you. It is so cool. It is so cool to be able to talk about you and your story and uh, help encourage others. And I thank you, Lord, for encouraging me through your Holy Spirit. Lord, you know where each person is right now, and you know their hearts. And I know, Lord, that you don't ever change. And so, Father, I just ask you that um, that the Holy Spirit would just intervene and that we would soften our hearts and, and, and look to you daily to be the armor that we need, to be your light for others so that others can join us. Glorifying you, Lord. Help us daily. Help us hourly. Help us by the minute that we would just be constantly reminded of of who you are and of your love for us and others. So thank you. Thank you, Father. Just praise you and honor you and just glorify you in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen.